0: this episode of the managing major podcast is brought to you by the managing major podcast live in toronto ontario canada on december 18th 4 p.m at the flatiron firkin pub the managing major podcast is recording a live show in toronto and we're so excited to see familiar faces from our last show in toronto and also meet some new ones i know there are going to be people who are coming from other cities in canada so looking forward to meeting you guys if you guys want to attend that party and Meet other Madridistas because I know I get a lot of messages like, "Hey, Kian, anyone in Toronto?" Or I don't have anyone to watch the games with. Who can I watch the games with? There are a ton of people to network with at that event. Meet them, form connections, and you'll never have to go another Real Madrid game with you know watching it by yourself. So, um, come meet a bunch of other Madridistas. Come meet us, and uh, hoping to get some special guests for that one as well. I have signed stuff from Modric and Figo, and official La Liga swag because they are also helping us organize the event. Link to book your spot in the show notes and early bird ticket prices, and soon so book ASAP. Coming up is the France versus Denmark postgame show with special emphasis on Chouameni, but we basically break down the whole game. And if you want analysis on um, other Real Madrid players, to be quite honest, I, I don't even know how to really redirect you other than the fact that just be subscribed to everything because we are recording podcasts every single day and um, they're just podcasts every day some of them are on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. some of them are free which is the one you're listening to now and um, it yeah if you want access to everything just make sure you're subscribed to both podcasts and do that all right let's get started ray hudson derek ray gonna kick us off and let's go nice article
1: in the managing madrid uh, blog, wonderful lads to do a great job there and worth reading about that man there the the man. The wide. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1 so very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website and a podcast as well of course pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation
0: Hello and welcome to a Saturday edition of the Managing Madrid Podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sabani, and I'm joined for the second time during this World Cup by Jose Perez, who is our resident France expert. He is covering France for us. He was assigned to cover Choumeni and Kamavinga and Karim Benzema, who is unfortunately watching this game at home now. Um, but we're we're going to discuss all things many mostly and some France stuff in about 15-20 minutes or so. Uh, and then after that, Argentina versus Mexico starts.
1: So that's our timeline right now. So Jose, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hello, Kian, and hello everyone. Uh, nice to be talking about France. I if there's something I did not expect going into this World Cup is that I was actually going to see an entertaining France midfield. They were missing a lot, like they were missing Kante and Pogba. Uh, when when the looking at the squad, the midfield selection looked thin. So it wasn't clear that that area of the pitch was going to be fu- was going to be fun. And then now we've come up with this uh, Deschamps invention of Griezmann as an eight. Uh, Rabio is actually playing pretty well. So it looks actually and then, of course, Trameni helps balance the whole thing out. So it's actually a really well balanced and fluid midfield unit. It looks quite nice.
0: I feel like two players have benefited from Kante and Pogba not being here. I mean, many would have started regardless. So, yes. uh, you know, he. I think he would have played and he would have probably done well alongside any of these midfielders. It's opened up a door for Rabiot to prove that he's still a good footballer. And I think he's been so far so good in these two games. And as you and I have discussed about Griezmann in the first game against Australia, one thing that I think, Pogba is really good with France specifically. It's his long range passing and his ability to just, I mean, there's so many balls that France can exploit over the top of the defensive line with those runs that Mbappe and Dembele make. And Griezmann has taken on that role. So it's, it's, it's worked so far Uh, two games. I mean they're, they're officially qualified now out of the group stages and um, so far, so good. So, we're not. Sh- I'm not sure exactly what that means for the big games and the knockout stages and and all that stuff. But so far so good. So why don't we focus on many first, Jose? Um, Did you see any difference in terms of his role today against Denmark versus the one he had uh, against Australia?
1: Uh so the main things is that I feel like this midfield trio, like it's looking more like a proper, especially in this game, it looked more like a proper midfield trio with Traumani as single pivot. Right. I think last time it was looking a bit more double pivoty. Now now it looks like more proper like a trauma, any single pivot. That's the main difference. I noticed then other things still are still there. Like there's a lot of mid movement and rotation in that midfield. So uh with Griezmann and Rabio, you sometimes see them switch sides. Sometimes you'll see uh Griezmann on the left, sometimes on the right. Um, uh, and even there are sometimes situations when they go up pressing. Uh, Trameni goes forward along with Griezmann and, and, and Ravio stays back. But that it's just like a very situational thing. So it looks, differences with last game is that, yes, uh, for Trameni at, le- at least I think it looks more single pivot and the midfield just keeps looking more and more fluid. Like they are starting, they are really starting, those three are really starting to find their groove.
0: That's the main, that's like the first thing I noticed by halftime of this game was that, that if there was a if there was a different role for too many in this game is that I felt like the single pivot was more defined on paper. It's a double pivot. If you look at the heat maps, it kind of resembles a double pivot. But off the ball structurally, when France were playing defense, too many was just right be, behind the midfield and in front of the defensive line, and Rabiot and Griezmann were kind of in front of in front of him in a 4-3-3. And I I noticed that that was a little bit different than what France had aligned versus Australia, and um, I thought. Too many was good again. I mean, him and Rabiot, their distribution was very good. I thought too many his step up interventions were good. I thought his positioning was good, and it, like an in extremely indirectly way, also involved in the goals. I mean, you you have to be a huge huge too many fan, which we are, if you want to credit him with the first goal. <laughs> but you know, he did play the initial outlet outlet pass to Mbappe, and then that led to the whole brilliant yeah. one two with Teo. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, was, uh, before Griezmann crossed it for the second goal, was it him who was on that far side or was it somebody else? It was it Dembele. I have to I'm trying
1: it. to like, I remember that he had a role in that move for the second goal, but I don't remember exactly what was the role.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> either way, like we were really kind of pushing the too many agenda harder for going to say he's involved, well, in but, goals, but... Uh,
1: but he is still like, he still always has like a pro like it's just one of those things where he just has like a prominent role like in those possessions that ends up in shots and sometimes he ends up generating the shots directly like that really neat uh, Griezmann chance that came from a long ball from him going uh, like in behind the de- the yeah. Danish defense. So I I I I thought that today like especially in the f- one thing that I've been noticing about Chameni is that at least With France right now, there are times where he looks like a bit more conservative on the ball. Like, you know he can do more, but he doesn't quite go for it. Uh, And both in the second half of last game and especially in this second half, I started seeing like a looser version of him, like more willing to go for those riskier passes. And that's nice.
0: What I do also like, and I hope this eventually at least results in one goal this World Cup, is that when France start to get into the final third, there's always a pocket open for him, for him to arrive at the top of the box, to hit a rebound yeah. or a shot at the top of the box. And he had, I think at least one in this game, which got blocked, but you can see yes. that he, he can pop up in that zone and, um, and teams have a difficult time defending that because he's coming from the anchor role and, and no one's really picking him up. Right. He's just kind of floating in provides numerical superiority in that situation. I hope that that can result in at least one goal. Um, I'm curious to get, like, also more broad France thoughts from you. Um, This, when Denmark equalized, for example, I was like, oh, that kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, Great for Denmark for pulling that through. But, like, I was like, am I being deceived? Is this an even game? And was Because to me, like, France was just dominating. Maybe that they kind of were a little bit lax and let their guard down for the equalizer. But, overall, they were just so dominant in this game from start to finish. And then I looked at the numbers and was like, yeah, it's backed up. Um, Yeah. What were your just overall France takeaways from this game?
1: I am, I am mightily impressed. Like this is, cause this, like, this is like, uh, this was, and the way both teams played it with the kind of tension that both teams played it, this was like a knockout, Uh, like a knockout round level tie like they played it with that kind of tension and it was and like this Denmark is not an easy opponent so this was kind of a 5-4-1 block that's pretty difficult to break down and I think of course it's easier to break down when you have Mbappe and Dembele on both and Dembele playing well by the way uh, on both sides attacking the opponent but I think they did, they do a really they did a really good job moving the ball around. So I think it was a really really strong performance in possession. Of course their attackers seem to be doing well. Dembele had a great game. Uh Mbappé sometimes struggled a bit more on the left, but then it doesn't matter cuz he scores the two goals anyways. Um uh, and uh, and I think in defense, they actually like first half, they just snuffed out everything that Denmark threw, like whatever yeah. Denmark could throw at them. Uh, then I know, then of course, in this in the second half, uh, it's not the first time that France struggles with these Danish set pieces. I mean, uh, for example, that that goal, I am like. I'm still trying to wonder like if that first Heather, like it if it was just if he wanted to put it in the goal or it was planned to like send it, send it back, whatever, because I, I just had a feeling that it could have been planned. But whatever the case, France has been struggling a lot with those Danish set pieces. I mean, they lost two their two games against Denmark. In the nation's league. So uh, so it's not the first time that happens to them. And then afterwards, like I think Denmark had a period where they were really starting to create, they were really starting to find some holes in that French defense. But I thought France's defense was pretty good. One thing that's really interesting is that they play kind of a 4-3-3 in possession, but then once they have to defend, it looks more like a 4-4-2 because what happens is that Dembélé actually tracks back and then Ravio defends the left wing and lets Mbappe just freely, uh, just be freely with the striker with Giroud up front. So it's just a setup so that Mbappe doesn't have to defend as much and, and is just ready to get the ball and go on the counter. So I think they have a pretty good and solid setup with well, from what uh, from what I saw here. And Denmark, uh, yeah, they had that period where they get where they created some good chances, but they did a pretty good job containing Denmark.
0: France have kind of that Brazil element where both wings are so devastating. Like they just have line breakers and a lot of speed and really great dribblers, just people who can do damage. And then plus a playmaker like Griezmann and good defense in transition. And there's a huge, what if surrounding the the Lucas Hernandez injury to me, like in the first game, because this Teo is just a different kind of beast. I mean, Lucas Hernandez is a good player, solid, solid player. But Teo has just that offensive ceiling, and and he also played good defense today. I thought his tracking was was good on runners. Yeah, but I mean, I I tweeted it, and then I retweeted it when the first goal happened, and I don't know how many times I'll have to retweet it or make the same comment. But the Teo Mbappe <clears throat> one two on the left is just impossible to devastating. Defend. It's so hard yeah. to defend. Yeah, like there's and and then the goal resulted was a result of that.
1: Yeah, and it's just one of those. I absolutely love those cutbacks. The one that it's like the same player goes, passes it out to the overlapping guy, then the overlapping guy gives it back, and then you score. Like it's one of those. Uh, for example, well, Messi and Jordi Alba did a lot of those in Barcelona. Those are those were amazing plays. It reminded me a bit of those, although this one was on, under even tighter spacing. It's uh, it's quite a devastating combination. It is kind of funny that. In a way, Deschamps like, kind of stumbled into this solution because it wasn't the original plan. But, of course, it elevates uh, the ceiling of what France can do in the offense because, of course, Mbappé is already dangerous enough on his own. Then you add a world-class attacking left back and it's... Like, it's the kind of argument that, like, with that and a solid defense, that's an argument that can win you tournaments. Because, I mean, I like Dembele, but Dembele, it's a bit like flipping a coin. He had a great game today. He might not have it next time. But you know that Theo and Mbappé are going to be generating stuff game in, game in, like, every single game.
0: Well, I think with the, the thing with Dembele, too, is that I go into every game watching him expecting him to make mistakes and lose the ball. But I also expect him to do a lot of good that comes with it. And it's kind of like he's yeah. kind of that player who has a high volume of risk-taking. And sometimes it looks great. Sometimes it looks really bad. Uh, but overall, I think the cost-benefit analysis is usually positive with him. So yes. he's just so hard to defend. And he's unpredictable. And he was really great. And you mentioned it on yeah. Twitter, too. Like, his pinpoint crosses with, like, when he cuts both in legs. from the right and both feet. Yeah, I mean, he put That's in some ridiculous. great crosses. The weight and the like- dip on them. It's really impressive.
1: like that's what makes like really like one of the core things of Dembélé as a player is that two-footedness because that makes him so good as a, like it makes him good as a dribbler and as an assist provider because as a dribbler you don't know what side he's going to go he's going to go on because he doesn't really have a preferred foot you don't know and he can get in a good assist with either foot with either foot so it's just an incredibly hard player to defend so all in all this France team is set up really nice. And it's nice how Trameni acts as the element that's like, of course, right now it he doesn't look as the standout of the team, but it's really the element that provides a lot of balance to this side. So that is so that's always important. The only like the only time today where maybe. Uh, I, he was being a bit overrun, just like the rest of the French defense. It's in that wave of Danish attacks that came after the goal, where like the whole defense kind of struggled to get back on time and defend the box well. Uh, so he, was, so sometimes he was a bit late to those things, but that's about it. But that's more of a system wide issue rather than rather than a Traumany issue. And just overall, I think that still the French defense is looking quite solid right now. So it's. It's looking good
0: yeah and um and the team overall is deep in pretty much every position um left back obviously what are your thoughts on uh deschamps's experimentation of being up
1: in training and <laughs> left back disappointed it's not rabio uh <laughs> i i it, it, i wouldn't have been surprised but i yeah just no but <laughs> And and also like I thought for a while, it's like just put Teo in there. Like, what's the problem? I guess that's an emer- I guess it's gonna be an emergency solution. Like, but if even I buy then, soap. you would
0: think they'd put Kunde ahead of Kamavinga or something. Like, they'd put Kunde on the left. Like,
1: true in that scenario, or or just
0: someone in the defensive line that plays as a makeshift left back rather than Kamavinga, who's never played there in his life.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Like, Kunde as a makeshift option would make more sense. Uh, then would Camavinga it annoy you
0: or would it please you if Kamavinga just started a left back and then all of a sudden was like basically Roberto Carlos and then Ancelotti made him a left back too and then everything just changed? <laughs> would it annoy you or you'd be happy with that?
1: It So on one side, it would annoy me because it's like, come on, just play the guy in midfield. But on the other side, at least from, from France's perspective, at this point, I'm like, whatever gets Kamavinga more minutes in this side. <laughs>
0: whatever gets Kamavinga put in minutes, in this... put striker. Whatever, I just want to see him on the field. I hope, like, yes, I mean, now with France qualified, you hope that he'll be able True. to. You and I had said if there's a path for him to become a prominent player in this World Cup, it's he gets minutes in the third game, impresses, and, and then works his way into the rotation yes. for the knockout games,
1: hopefully. So yeah, so let's hope let's hope that happens because yeah, right now I'm not very optimistic about Kamavinga getting minutes. Uh, Trameni is doing pretty much as expected so it's uh, he's re- he's really the the guy who pro- a guy who provides a lot of structure to, and balance to this side he again just like the thing about Trameni and what i love about him is that his day-to-day performance level just like, like it's a guy who really doesn't have a bad game like day-to-day yeah. he is extremely reliable and it's a player that sure maybe he doesn't drop like a 10 out of 10 every time, but he will drop like a 7 out of 10 almost every week. And and, that's, and that is so valuable, especially for a player who plays like as a pivot. Like it's just the kind of player you can build a side around.
0: And bringing it back full circle, 81 touches, 98.5% passing accuracy. I think it took him a while to actually misplace a pass because in the first half, he didn't misplace any. Two key yeah. passes, four tackles. Also, just looking at these numbers, Teo had team high 87 touches, five key passes, one assist. Teo was amazing today. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a fun team. Would you say it's a, where would you rank them in terms of the teams that have impressed you the most in this World Cup?
1: Ooh, I, right now, of course, from the title candidates, the most impressed, like, I still think I'd still rate Brazil and them over Spain at the moment, simply just because they look like a more solid defensive unit uh, than Spain. Uh, So I'd say up to now, probably Brazil and France are the ones that have impressed me the most, followed by Spain, simply because I think both Brazil and France have had to deal with Two te- like two European teams Denmark and Serbia that were actually pretty tough cookies like just those were games that you could definitely with the kind of tension that you could definitely find in a knockout round and I think they went past that they went past both opponents like pretty solid weight without conceding much um so it's look that that's looking really good we'll see. Of course, depending, we might put Spain on that tier depending on what they do against Germany, which is going to be some challenge. Of course, if if Spain passes that test, then we're starting to talk about, like, the group of, like, may, maybe the three most serious title candidates. We'll see.
0: The games, I mean, not to say the games in the first round of play or the first set of games weren't interesting and exciting, but now it's like it gets really interesting. I mean, tomorrow... Yeah. Croatia Canada is going to be fascinating Germany Spain's going to be fascinating but that last group stage game there's a ton of amazing games Iran versus USA um yeah Uruguay Portugal I or I think Uruguay Portugal's the next game but anyway either way there's just going the World Cup's just getting really fun now um
1: yeah yeah even now this Argentina game I mean if they mess this one up they're out they're almost out so well, if they lose
0: I mean I'm I don't yeah. think
1: uh, my personal uh, and, and I'd like to ask you your
0: prediction cuz this people are going to listen to this probably after the argentina finishes game finishes so we can make predictions that will age horribly or, or or age spectacularly if you want my hunch i guess is argentina will raise their game and will be sharper and maybe saudi arabia caught them off guard that first game and argentina yeah. will raise the call that's my prediction but i don't know messi versus ochoa like Unstoppable force versus immovable object, <laughs> object. Yeah, it
1: was. Well, see, I'm also expecting a pretty like giving the pressure. What happened before? I'm expecting a pretty solid Argentina performance. And I'm also, to be honest, this is the Mexican team I have less hype about in a long time. Yeah. So I'm just, eh, I'm just not that confident on their ability to pull it to pull it yeah, off.
0: Same, same. Uh, that's that's how I feel too. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm ready for anything at this point. We'll um, see. We'll see how the we'll predictions see. go. We'll see. We'll we'll definitely be watching that. It starts in about nine minutes. So uh, I'm going to let you go, Jose. We each have a few minutes to grab a drink or a snack before the game starts. And uh, yep. thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your amazing coverage of France. It's uh, it's great work. You can read Jose's work on the website. You can follow him on Twitter. It's in the show notes. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, I think, to talk about Modric and Rudiger. Yeah, it's gonna be a what, pretty active day. I, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very active. All right. Thanks guys for listening. Thanks. I right. appreciate you. Take care. Thanks, Kian. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Before we let you go, we wanted to give a shout-out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Uh and a specific shout out to our $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout out on the podcast. In addition to getting guaranteed responses to your questions. So, shout out to the following $10 plus patrons Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Way Pering, Wameek Jamal, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Tarek Gaktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Somanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z. Sayed Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paolo Fierro, Patrick Udayafati, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo. Hi, and you get a shout out from my son Arlo who has just walked in the room as well. Bye, I love you. Uh, shout out to Nicholas Moeller, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davicito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar. Arnav Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Al, Azaz, Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovich, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin, Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us, and halamadi. Sports Social Podcast Network.